Well, welcome everybody to the Beyond the Sermon podcast. I am Pastor Lucas Hillman, and I get to serve as the lead pastor at Grace Christian Fellowship in Largo, Florida. This is a weekly podcast discussing theology, scripture, and ideas in the local church to help you flourish in Christ. Thanks for joining us. Welcome back to the podcast. I want to begin our time by reading a portion of Deuteronomy chapter 32 from what is called the Song of Moses. Deuteronomy chapter 32 is elemental. It is uh, really foundational for understanding 1 Corinthians 10. Um, And I want to read verses 16 through 18 of Deuteronomy 32. God's Word says, They stirred him to jealousy with strange gods, with abominations. They provoked him to anger. They sacrificed to demons that were no gods, to gods they had never known, to new gods that they had come recently, whom your fathers had never dreaded. You were unmindful of the rock that bore you, and you forgot the God who gave you birth. Again, some heavy words from the Old Testament about the acts of Israel in the wilderness, especially after the Exodus redemption story, that God had delivered them, given them a name, uh, made them a people, delivered them from slavery and oppression, uh, demonstrated his mighty deeds among the nations, uh, and yet they still are prone to worshiping the golden calf, um, again, murmuring and grumbling against God, distrusting him, unfaithful to him, because, again, they want him to be more like either other gods that seem more attainable, uh, more relatable, um, and, and seem to give their people what they want. But Yahweh, the God of the Bible, is not that God. He is not like any other God. He is high and lifted up. And when God's people run after what is often termed idols, that provokes him to jealousy. That provokes him to uh, a zealous commitment to uh, the good of the person who's running away towards an idol and his own glory, that he would not share it because ultimately to share his glory would be condoning uh, somebody to death itself because in God there's life and life eternal and he's the only place we can find it. So Deuteronomy 32, if you have time to go read the Song of Moses. Again, it is a strict warning and also a exhortation to follow God. Um, Moses, at the end of his life, sings this song or writes this song, and later it says that he recites it to Israel and tells them, remember what I said, that God wants you to worship him alone and not to strange gods. So again, this story uh, of the Exodus story was monumental to Paul's identity, to Israel's identity, to indeed any Jew's identity, um, that God delivered them. But the wilderness story is also their story, that they wandered for 40 years in the desert. Um, And again, although God was disciplining them and not bringing them into that generation into the promised land, he still provided all that they needed. But again, even in God's provision, again, Israel has the temptation, and Paul will say we have the temptation too, that although God provides all that we need, we still don't believe and we grumble against him. So 1 Corinthians 10, 
picks up with this story um, about God's redemption. And Paul is beginning, again, to kind of land the plane on his uh, masterful argument about what is uh, what is appropriate for Christians to partake in in this world um, if it, that's not yet fully redeemed, um, but still has evil that lurks around. Um, although everything that in the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, there are things that we ought to be wise about, about what we partake in, give ourselves to. And Paul, and again, we covered verses 1 through 22 on Sunday. There was, it was quite a big chunk, but it was intentional because it was all one big section dealing with the same thing, tying together Israel's story and, again, Paul's exhortations. And if you remember, uh, we were able to break it down into uh, a, a sequence of 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Five examples, four exhortations, three meals, two hosts, and one faithful Savior. And again, those if you're reading this section, this is a good maybe handhold, foothold for us to make sense of it, that God or Paul gives us five examples from the Old Testament about the ways in which God um, provides his presence, promises, and protection for his people uh, through baptism, providing food and drink, the presence. Um, and again, all of these different things are examples to us. And he says in chapter 10, 1 Corinthians 10, verse 6, these things took place as examples for us that we might not desire evil as they did. Again, we have to keep in mind the backdrop of Paul's mind here of, uh, of the Exodus story, Deuteronomy as well, that even in the wilderness and uh, under the discipline, but the provision of the Lord, um, they still desired evil things. As Moses went up to the mountain uh, to commune with God and receive the commandments uh, and the word of God and the presence of God, the people down who were left by the mountain, again, fashioned a golden calf and worshipped it. This is idolatry. This is the prototype of idolatry, if you will, for the rest of the Bible, that people give themselves to something in creation rather than the Creator God. And again, Paul says that these things took place as examples for us, that we, and, uh, that we may not desire what they did. And again, if you read the whole portion of 1 Corinthians 10, um, Paul is really referencing back to Israel a lot and for the reason of, of example. Because, like again, like Israel in the wilderness, they received immense blessing from God, meaning the Corinthians did. The Corinthians have received immense blessing from God as well. They, uh, If you go back to chapter 1, he'll say, you've received wisdom, you've received spiritual insight and blessing and prestige and knowledge, and you are spiritual people, but you're still acting like people in the flesh. And again, the great temptation is you can receive great knowledge, you can receive great even blessing from God, but yet your heart still is prone to be given over to something else other than God. We are prone to idolatry. John Calvin famously said that the human heart is an idol factory, that as soon as you think you get rid of one, it produces another. Again, we are frail creatures, and we worship, we, we desire to worship something, and our heart can conjure anything to worship. Paul says the story of Israel, the story of their misdeeds in the wilderness are given to us to say, do not do as they did. 
Um, there's a popular movement, I don't know how popular it is anymore, uh, to read uh, the Old Testament strictly as Christological, meaning that we uh, have no right to place ourselves in the Old Testament. Now, again, there is warrant to that because we don't want to make the Old Testament stories about us. Uh, the, nowhere in the Bible is the text about us, um, that we can't claim the promises, we can't, exen- again, put our place in there uh, in all stories all the time. Um, but at the same time, um, we also get this kind of, again, admonition, exhortation from uh, Paul that these are given to us for an example. We ought to read them with a moral in mind. They aren't just history. Um, there is a moral to the story. So we have five examples of what the way in which God provided four exhortations in verses 6 through 11, where he'll say, don't be idolaters, we must not indulge in sexual immorality, and we must not grumble, and we must not put Christ to the test. Four exhortations, don't do things. Idolatry often leads to uh, the misdeeds of the body, or in Israel's case, um, we'll see that it led to many of the uh, misdeeds of the body in the sexual immorality, sexual immoral way. Uh, And in Corinth, again, there seems to be a, a lot of similarity because the temptation in Corinth was there were many, many temples to pagan gods, and with those temples came temple prostitutes. Uh, and that you could, um, again, indulge the flesh with uh, worship and sexual immorality. And Paul is saying that it may it not be so, because um, oftentimes idolatry and sexual immorality are linked. Um, but we ought to worship God, which leads to fidelity uh, to God and the right use of the body and the right use of sexuality and not exploitation. So, but we must not put Christ to the test, and we must not grumble. Right, And Paul gives all of those examples from Numbers and Deuteronomy about how they grumbled and put God to the test and presumed upon his kindness. Uh, he says, may it not be so. That may, uh, may our, um, again, fidelity, trust, uh, faithfulness to God overwhelm our desire uh, to make God in our image and to put him to the test and to doubt and grumble against what he has given to us or allowed um, it's it, and that is very very hard. It requires a work of the spirit to give thanksgiving uh, in all circumstances. So uh, again, one of the main things uh, that Paul communicates in First Corinthians ten is verse twelve. First Corinthians ten twelve says, "Therefore, let anyone who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall." And again, this is the, one of the main points of Paul bringing up Israel, the story, uh, presumption, idolatry, all of it. That if we think we have progressed to a point where we don't need to be on guard against idolatry or giving our hearts, minds, and bodies over to something other than Jesus, take heed because the fall will not be far behind. Meaning that we ought to Again, be mindful of what we are um, often kind of uh, willing to give ourselves to easily. There are things, sins, patterns that we have in our life that are giving ourselves over to something um, that is not uh, beneficial. It is not um, good for us. It's not good for our soul. It's not good for our hearts. It's not good for our families. It's not good for our communities. It's not good for our church. It's not good for us. 
Um, so again, consider what habits and attention you're giving to things. And again, take heed. Are there things you need to cut out? Pay attention. Take heed means, again, listen up, look around. Uh, take the actions necessary to cut out things that are damaging your soul, giving yourself over to things other than Christ. Proverbs 16, 18 says, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before the fall. If you think you are untouchable by uh, certain sins, um, may the Lord grant us humility to say, I am capable of anything um, if God is not precious to me, if God is not restraining me. <laughs> I mean, it's really a work of grace that we are not just devolving into um, you know sinful-based human beings, um, but may Christ become more and more precious to us and lift our eyes and call us to a holy calling uh, of living for Him. Again, one of the most um, maybe more memorable verses in this one that often gets taken um, to mean something maybe it shouldn't is verse thirteen, chapter ten, verse thirteen says, "No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful." And he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure. And again, this is, uh, again, kind of closing the back door to temptation and saying, how do I endure? How do I say no? How do I walk away? Um, nobody is able to blame God for our giving in to temptation. We are all guilty of giving in. No one is forever uh, strong. Um, may God grant us more and more endurance against sin and temptation to live and walk in obedience. But at the same time, um, we know we are frail creatures, and when we do fall, we ought to ask for repentance. Lord, forgive me. Uh, help me to make things right. But the point being, God is faithful, and we cannot blame him for our uh, misdeeds. No temptation has overtaken us that is not common to man. There are, again, people who have faced the very temptation you are facing in this very moment, um, who have walked in, in in holiness and obedience. And I do not say that to shame anybody, uh, to say, well, look how a terrible person you are. I'm here to say that we often need to know others have done it. Um, you know, we often doubt, can it be done? until we hear of somebody doing it. I mean, oftentimes in sports competitions, what will happen is uh, that we often say, well, the record can't be broke, that height can't be reached, that length can't be done. And then someone does it, and then we say, well, we can go past it. We can do it now. Um, so again, whatever you're facing, just know that there are people who have went before you, and you could be an example to those behind you, that any temptation you're facing does not mean you have to give in. You can fight the good fight of faith. Push back. Lean into grace. Um, again, ask the Spirit to lead and guide you. Again, verse 14 will say, flee from idolatry, because that is, uh, again, at the heart of all of this, is idolatry is giving ourselves over to something that is not God, to give us identity, to give us purpose, to give us security, to give us anything um, at all that would grant us um, you know, meaning and belonging. Idolatry is one of the great sins of the Bible, that we give ourselves to something other than God. Now, I have to, again, kind of move along quickly, and I'll just summarize this, uh, verse 15 through 22. Paul says that there are tables of demons and tables of the Lord, and to partake in is to fellowship with them. And again, what are we partaking in? What are we giving ourselves to? 
what where is the end goal of the things we are giving ourselves to whether that be fleshly pleasures lusts of the eyes heart mind or soul where is the end goal of the things that we are giving ourselves to and i think that's one of the reasons why paul brings this up what we're doing is forming us into something and again paul's saying you you have to consider it one thing is uh, hosted by demons the other is by Jesus. Uh, may we commune, fellowship with, long to feast with Christ and not be satisfied with dining at the table of other things that really are momentary or, and will eventually take us away from Christ. God is a, is a jealous God, and that does not mean he envies. It does not mean he has, he's lacking and he gets angry because we don't give him attention. It means he's a zealous lover meaning that's what often jealousy is is to to mean is that he will do what it takes to save us from ourselves um and again god is a faithful savior um that he overcomes our spiritual adultery he he overcomes our uh, unfaithfulness with his fidelity jesus was the faithful one he was the faithful one who secured our place before god and again he is the one we look to. If you want to escape idolatry, if you want to escape from lust, we, we want to escape from anger, we, it starts with looking to Christ as the fulfillment of the longing of our hearts, the forgiving of our sins, and the hope of a new life. God overcomes our, our adultery, our sin, with His fidelity and righteousness. We place our faith in Christ, and again, that is where our salvation lies. I'll end by reading John 3, when, John, when again, Jesus references the same story that Paul does uh, in the wilderness. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. This is the goal of Christianity, is that we may look upon the Son of God, Jesus Christ, and have faith, and in so we would have life eternal. May God grant us the grace to see the pursuits of our life for what they are, and may he grant us the love for Jesus uh, that would make him more precious to us and worth pursuing everything that we have. Thank you for listening to the Beyond the Sermon podcast, a ministry of Grace Christian Fellowship in Largo, Florida. You can visit our website and find out more about our church at gracechristian.com. As well, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram and YouTube.